0: Well, it is good to be back together today. Um, Pray that this will be a good time as we open God's Word again. We're actually going to finish the passage that we had planned on for last week. Um, Milt was gracious enough to adjust the time uh, so that we can, can finish up last week's lesson and then move on next week to uh, the instruction on how we are to work and how we are to consider work, which is an important thing for us all to know and remember so as we open we 're going to turn to second thessalonians chapter three we 'll be studying uh, verses seven through ten this morning looking at paul 's example to the Thessalonians last week we did paul 's command to the thessalonians now we 're looking at paul 's example to the thessalonians and By way of opening, uh, I want to tell you the story of that came out in 2018. This is uh, from The New York Times, a hospital in Italy's southern region of uh, Calabria fired Salvatore Scumace for not showing up to work for 15 years. Mr. Scumacci, was 67, was fired last year at the uh, hospital he worked at in Catazzaro. But the news made headlines in Italy this week when Italy's finance police announced their investigation into his remarkable record of absenteeism. His case was uncovered as a part of a wider investigation into absenteeism by public workers. While Mr. Scumacci had not yet been arrested or formally charged, the police informed that he would face a raft of charges including abuse of office, forgery, and aggravated extortion. He's accused of earning an estimated 538,000 euros, more than 645,000 American dollars, for a job the police said he never performed over the course of his long and less than productive career as a hospital fire safety employee. Instead of... Reporting for even a single shift to monitor security cameras in hospital hallways for fire emergencies, the police said in a news release he walked around his neighborhood telling his friends he was already retired, and otherwise he took it mostly easy at home. Well, that might be shocking obviously we we hope that none of us would ever be considered negligent like that but as we come into the passage today we we can see that paul is not at all like mr scarmacci Um, his ministry to the thessalonians was very clear in fact that's what we're going to see is he's going to call on the example he had had made and his desire was that he would be able to impact the lives of the thessalonians as well as us in his example Warren Wiersbe said that the greatest influence of a go- uh, of, is that of a godly living and sacrifice. A Christian leader may appeal to the authority of the word, but if he cannot point to his own example of obedience, people will not listen. And with Paul, we have that. In, pa- in this passage, Paul is going to explain three aspects of his diligent example to the Thessalonians and to us. We're going to see Paul, or the reality of Paul's example, the reach of Paul's example, and the reason for Paul's example. So turn with me and let's read the, these three verses that are just so full of great uh, instruction from Paul himself. In 2 Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7, it says, For you yourselves know So, as we start in, in the beginning of chapter 7, we see Paul's, uh, or the reality of Paul's example. He says, You yourselves know that you ought to follow the example. He, he said, This shouldn't be a surprise to you. We have given you an example, and we have told you that many times. And as Paul was writing to the Thessalonians, there's a couple of times already that we've studied that said, he was an example and that the Thessalonians had followed his example. In First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, it says, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Archaea. But again, the Thessalonians were an example because they were imitating Paul and the Lord. Earlier in, in this chapter in verse nine or I'm sorry, as we get into verse nine he's going to say that they offered themselves up as a model so that you would follow our example. The reality is is that Paul lived his life so that he would be an example to others. He did not figure that he could do one thing and tell us another. you know we, we, we often hear that you know you, you have We know it's a bad parenting skill when we say, do as I say, don't do as I do, right? It's not good in our lives if we're doing something, but we're telling other people to do something else. Paul was never that way. And so he could say throughout his letters, he could write and exhort the believers in these cities and these churches that he had founded, be imitators of me. Follow My example. And so that's where we have some of the verses that are in here. In 1 Corinthians 4.16, it says, Therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of Me. Now, just so you don't get it out of, out of shape that Paul was maybe boastful, proud, thinking, oh, I've got it all figured out. Just do what I do. This is what he said in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. It says, be imitators of Me just as I also am of Christ. So Paul was just exhorting them, follow me because I'm trying to follow the Lord. I'm I'm walking with the Lord. I'm trying to obey Him. And if you will follow me and imitate what I'm doing, then you will be following the Lord as well. In Philippians 3.17, it says, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. In other words, if you see someone that's walking in a way similar to Paul, you should follow them too. Right? That this is this is not about Paul, it's about a godly example that Paul was able to do. And so he says to these Thessalonians, "You lived with uh, or we lived with you for for a long time. You yourselves know how we lived. So you should follow our example." So the reality of Paul's example was clear both to the Thessalonians and to us as readers of the New Testament letters, we see Paul's work and his example. Now, the reach of Paul's example as we go through the rest of 7 and 8, is that he's going to explain exactly what that example was. He's going to break it down for them because he has a point he's going to make, both for the Thessalonians and for us. But he says first that we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you. Okay, the undisciplined manner is, is uh, the, the same thing as we talked about last, year, or last week. The unruly. The out of line. You know, that the, the we're, we weren't acting in a way contrary to or apart from what the Lord Himself has commanded. Um, the, the, one of the references I, sa- I read says literally, it uh, literally says, I march out of order, I am disorderly, I neglect my duty, I am careless or idle in my habits. And it says, and it's not all of that, right? It's not, I march out of order. It's not, I am disorderly. It's not, I neglect my duty. Paul is able to say, I was doing the things that I was supposed to do. I was following the Lord, and you, you saw that, that we did not act in this undisciplined manner among you. It also says in verse 8, he says, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. And that's a, you know, it's an interesting point here. He is not saying it is not right for someone to invite you to their home and give you a meal. Or even to invite you out to, to lunch and give you a meal. You know What he was saying is the idea is that this was an ongoing pattern. He did not live on other people's free meals. He was not waiting for and, and, and inviting himself over, as it were, for free meals he was not serving for all the things he could get he was saying i want to make sure you know i wasn't about myself when i served among you i wasn't looking for a free meal you know i wasn't looking for these things but instead i was looking to work and encourage you so it says that that the word i love this that the free meal is the same word, that free is the same word as like in the gospel, the free gift, right? The gift of God. He's saying, I wasn't looking for some kind of freebie from you. That wasn't why I worked in, in your, your city. It's that I wanted to serve you, right? The idea is that this was not Paul's pattern. I'm sure people invited him to his house and he ate a meal that they provided for him and he didn't pay them. Right? Because that's kind of rude. If someone invites you over, you're, they're not expecting to get paid at the end of the meal. Right? They weren't expecting that in Paul's day either. But he's saying that that was not the pattern of my life. Uh, by that, one of the, one of the commentators noted that, that that means that that's probably one of the things that the false teachers were doing. Right? The false teachers realized, oh wait, there's some prestige here? There's, the people think I'm important, they'll invite me in and they'll give me a meal, right? They might take, I might get an offering, I might give, you know, get some money and be able to use that for what I need. And Paul said, nope, that wasn't how we did it. When we came, we did not regularly have the pattern of eating a free meal. And In fact, it says that with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day. I mean, Paul really wants to emphasize the efforts to which they went to to avoid being seen or thought of as uh, taking it free stuff. And so he says, "We, we did not act in an undisciplined manner. We did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. And I kind of adjusted it. We did act with labor and hardship. Right Paul wants to show the contrast. We weren't looking we weren't acting unruly. We were acting in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. We did not come out for freebies and free meals and what we could get from you, but we did act with labor and hardship. And really, I think Paul could be talking there, both of his trade. He was a tent maker by trade. in Acts eighteen three it says, And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and they were working for by trade, they were tent makers. And this is Paul serving alongside in a city and the way he's supporting himself at that time is helping make tents with another tent maker, right? So he was working. In Acts 20, verse 34, it says, you yourselves know that these hands minister to my own needs and to the men who are with me. So Paul says, "Hey, I was working hard, and I was supporting myself and the others." In this case, Sylvanus and Timothy that, that were with them in Thessalonia, or Thessalonica. So Paul definitely worked hard at his trade, but he also could be working or talking about his labor and hardship in his work in the ministry of the gospel. Because certainly with Paul, it was both. You know, that was not. it was not just work, work, work. It was also ministry and focused on that. And that's where he lived his life. And, uh, you know, he was really, again, following the example of our Lord. If we look at John chapter 6, verse 27 through 29, it says, Do not work for food which perishes, but the food for which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. And then they said to him, What shall we do that we may do the work of the or that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So this was Paul's message to preach the gospel. So he was working physically, but he was ministering the gospel. He, he was living out what he encourages in the Corinthian church in First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And, and he, he knew that everything he did ministering to the people he ministered to was God's work. And he says, we did that with labor and hardship. Right? It even says, we kept working night and day. Uh, again, that, that's the idea. of It wasn't like, uh, okay, we're knocking off before lunch and having a siesta. You know, it's, we worked a full day tent making, and then we worked at night sharing the gospel, going house to house, teaching, preaching, encouraging, admonishing, all of those things... This was Paul's work day and night. So that both sides of that labor and hardship were happening. And I'm sure while he was tent making, if someone's there talking, you know, if you really know your trade, your craft, you can talk while you're doing stuff. You know, maybe you're good at, at something you can knit or sew or cook and have a conversation. You know, some of us can't do those things and we have to think completely about what we're doing. <laughs> I have a feeling Paul was probably really good at tent making And talking at the same time, you know, because he he wanted to minister to anybody he was in contact with. But Paul said, we did all this. We were not undisciplined. We did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. We did act with labor and hardship. We worked night and day. And his reason for that, the the reason he did that is at the end of verse 8. So that we would not be a burden to any of you. I mean, Paul recognized that he didn't want to burden the believers, right? These were new converts. In a lot of cases, maybe they've lost their livelihood. What they were doing before was immoral or wrong, and now the Lord has called them to Himself, right? As he said in 1 Thessalonians, they've turned to God from the idols. Their lives are radically different And so Paul's saying, hey, on top of all that's going on in your life, as your daily functioning of life has changed, I don't want to be a burden on you. Right? And he says as a leader, that's just not my heart. I want to not be burdening my people over what they're doing. The the word there is is a heavy weight or a burden, right? That, That they're weighed down because they're now having to take care of Paul and the people that was with Paul, he said that was not our goal. <coughs> Excuse me, I do have some allergies as well. It's Texas cottonwood season is when it snows in te- in North Texas. It's white fluffies everywhere you go. So, um, but we see as Paul explains, he says this is. This is what you know. You yourselves know. We see the reality of Paul's example. We see the reach, right? Exactly what he was doing. How he was ministering. What it was, the example was. Like what he was actually doing. And then now we see the reason. Why is it that Paul chose to do his ministry this way? And so in verse 9 it says, not because we do not have the right to do this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. Now, he had the right as an apostle, as a pastor, to insist on, the the, the literal word is being maintained. right? So it's not just the the one-time gift, the one-time support, but he had the right to be maintained on an ongoing basis. And in this case, he chose not to. Now, John MacArthur talks about, he says, you know, Paul did not always forego accepting support from the churches to which he ministered. In fact, the Philippians twice sent him gifts while he was in Thessalonica. And he also received support from other churches while he was ministering in Corinth. So it's not that he never would accept support. In fact, Paul taught plainly that as an apostle and a teacher, he was entitled to full support. Again, that word for maintenance. In Galatians 6.6, 6, he wrote, the one who is taught the Word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. And he instructed Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.17 that the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. So what MacArthur's pointing out is Paul didn't say, I shouldn't ever have any support for my people. He wasn't saying it's wrong for a pastor or a, a leader to receive support from the church. In fact, he commanded the exact opposite. He's just saying, in this case, I did not push that. I did not request that. I did not require that. And so... Th- the reason is, and we're going to get to, he says exactly why, but Paul in other places, in fact, he's in Corinth, remember, as he's writing to the Thessalonian churches, or the Thessalonian church, he's in Corinth, and later when he wrote to the Corinthians, after he had left, he said this, in pretty strong words in 1 Corinthians 9, 4, and then 6 through 14, it says, do we not have the right to eat and drink? Or do only Barnabas and I not have the right to refrain from working? He says, you know what? This is, this is something we have the right to as apostles, as, as pastors of the church. He, he says, well, think about this example. Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Right? I mean, can you imagine signing up to be in the army and you got to buy your own uniform and guns and you know, everything? No, that's not how it works. They provide that for you. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? I mean, he's, he's giving these pictures where you go, well, obviously, if you own a vineyard, you're going to get the fruit. You know, you at least get some of the fruit. You can sell it, do whatever you want to with it, but it's your fruit. If you've got a flock, you get to take the produce from that or the production from that. And he says, I'm not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is He? Or is He speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it is written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. So again, He's, he's giving this picture. It says it was true in the Old Testament. It's true today that... Those that do the work should expect to get receive from the production. Verse 11 in 1 Corinthians 9 says, If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we do not use this right, but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple, and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar? So the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. And so there we have Paul building a case that as an apostle, or really anyone who makes their living from the gospel, from proclaiming the gospel and teaching God's Word, that they can be supported by doing that. And we know that obviously that's, by, by the Lord's grace, we're able to support Pastor Tom and Pastor Jonathan and other pastors here on, on our church uh, payroll because of the faithful giving of, of all of us. But Paul says that's a biblical concept, but he chose to withhold not having to take that. He didn't say, I have to have that. I won't serve unless you give me my money. Right, I won't do unless you you show me something. Right, that's kind of what we hear from a lot of teachers nowadays. Right, I want my money. You you give, and then I'll serve. That's not what Paul said. In fact, it, Paul back in First Thessalonians chapter two verse nine says, "For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship. How working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God." You might think I've started reading the wrong verse because it sounds very similar to the one we're in right now. But Paul is reminding them multiple times that this was their example. And the reason was so that they would not be a burden. That Paul and his, his, the other ministers would not be a burden. And then in verse 9, it also says, but we didn't do this. We didn't have the, it wasn't that we didn't have the right to do this. We could have said, hey... I'm Paul, the Apostle. I'm going to be teaching God's Word to you. And, and God says, because I've shared the Gospel with you and you believe the Gospel, you need to come support me. He could have done that. Instead, He says, we didn't, but we did that in order to offer ourselves as a model for you. Right? So that you would follow our example. So He says really the, the, the importance is that, we would, that He didn't want to be a burden. And he wanted to set an example, right? So we're right back to Paul being an example. He, he started this little section with, I was an example, right? You yourselves know. And he walks through exactly some of the ways that he was an example. And then he says, we did this. I acted this way so that you would see. You would know what to do. How you should act. And he's talking specifically about our work ethic, and that's where we're going to go next week, is what does it mean for the Christian work ethic? What does it mean that we do our work as unto the Lord? What does it mean that we work hard wherever the Lord has us? But Paul has broken this down. He said, I want to live this out so that you can follow My example. So really two major applications a couple of minor things that I'll mention as well in this section first of all is the importance of following godly examples right we can follow that by reading God's word and looking at the examples in scripture right whether that's that's men and women from the old testament where it says that the old testament everything that was written in the old testament was written for our instruction So that we can learn from it. (coughs) Or reading through Paul and looking at Peter and John and the men that, that served and followed the Lord, we can look at the life of the Lord Himself and say, Those are things I want to follow. Those are things I should do. I need to follow their example. And that's certainly an important thing. But also in our lives. We should have others that we're, we're modeling ourselves after, right? That, that, that like Paul said, hey, come and be imitators of me as I am imitating Jesus. That should be what's happening with all of us. That we're realizing there's others farther along in their walk. They're more mature in the faith. They're, they're more seasoned and, and knowledgeable and they've, they've been faithful for years and I want to be like that. You know, my hope is that that that's what we all are looking for. That we want to do that. Not thinking, you know, I got this figured out. I'm good. No, none of us have figured it all out. None of us are living out perfectly all the things we even know to do. And so we need godly examples in our lives. We need godly people to follow and model ourselves after. And, And Paul says that right, that that's important, follow my example, and and, and the reality is he's telling Timothy, follow my example, and and Timothy had a protege, and he said, follow my example, and that protege had another protege, you know, it just keeps going on, and and now, whatever it is, you know, 2,000 years later, we still have godly men that should be saying, follow my example. And we need to be looking for those examples. And, and it's one of those things that even as we look at the pastors and leaders that we look for, what are they concerned about? Are they concerned about the money? Are they concerned about the, the accolades and the fame and the, you know, the, 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 the platform is, is the kind of the current term? You know, they want to get social media standing. They want to make sure their podcasts and sermons get downloaded the most. Or are they just concerned about opening God's Word and saying, Let me show you what God says. Those are the men we need to model ourselves after. Those are the people in our lives. That's one of the things I love. My wife leads a Titus 2 group. And it's a great opportunity for her to be an encouragement to others and for her to get encouraged because there's both those that are older than her and younger than her in the group. Right? That's where we get a lot of that is these small groups, your home fellowship groups, Sunday school classes, things like that. We get to make those connections and see the lives of people lived out and say, I want to be like that. I want to do that as well. So our first application is the importance of, follow, importance of following godly examples. The second is the importance of being an example to others. Again, Paul never said, hey, all you got to do is be like me and you're going to be okay. Right? That wasn't Paul's desire was to make many Pauls. You know, he didn't want everybody to to follow around and just try to be just like Paul. It wasn't about Paul. It was about people, men and women that were faithful to follow the Lord. And part of that faithfulness to follow the Lord is to be an example to others. So, <coughs> there's several verses. I just picked out a selection. There are several verses where Paul talks about being an example to others. So in Philippians 4.9, it says the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. So again, it's not just the lessons, the things I said, but the actual things you've seen me live out. Practice these things. Do them. Obey them. Follow them. Practice them. And the God of peace will be with you. Right? And he's saying you should be doing the same things I'm doing. First Timothy four twelve, as Timothy's encouraging a somewhat timid, or I'm sorry, Paul's encouraging a somewhat timid Timothy. He says, "Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech and conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example to those who believe." And really, that's the call for every christian minister every pastor but that's really the call for every christian right if you're a follower of christ it doesn't matter what your age is you should be setting an example in your speech your conduct your love your faith and your purity to all those around you that are also believers in titus 2 7 it says in all things show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine and dignified. Again, in all things. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3, Paul talks about that I was not lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Uh, we see that the importance of being an example is not just for Paul. There's an importance of being an example for each one of us. Now, as I meditated on this this passage quite a bit this week, one of the things that popped out to me as well is that we don't always have to claim our rights. We we live in a culture today, especially in America, where if we have the right to do something, if we have the freedom to do something, then we're going to do it and it doesn't matter who's around. That's not really a Christian attitude. Right? I mean, Paul had the right as an apostle directly appointed by Jesus Christ Himself. And he said, you know what? I chose not to take that right. Because I I cared about you too much and I wanted to set a good example. And so, it, it is not always necessary, nor is it really advantageous for us to demand or make sure we act on our rights especially if it could negatively impact other believers. And so, as as we go through this this short section, Paul's just so good. I mean, I would would have loved to seen what a day in the life of Paul looked like. I mean, as this man worked night and day, he's physically working, he's spiritually working, he's ministering the Gospel, to see that passion, for the word of God to go forth, for, for people to come to faith in Jesus and to grow in their faith. Well, what an example. You know, I know for me, some days I get home from work and I feel like I am done. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to do anything. That honey-do list, baby, that's gonna to have to wait till later. My kids, no, I can't read that book right now. No, I can't go play ball right now. And I think, boy, I need to follow Paul's example. Right? That I can labor for the benefit and ministry of others and not just think of myself. That we would all be like that. It's Paul's prayer and it's my prayer as well. So let's close in, in prayer together. <coughs> Lord, we do thank You so much as we consider the example of Paul. Lord, he he wrote to people who had seen him live this out day after day and week after week. And he says that they need to follow his example. Lord, help us to do that. We see Paul's example in the Scriptures. We see it in the writings. Lord, help us to do the things that Paul did. Help us to have a heart for others the way Paul did. Lord help us to look for other godly examples in our lives that we would would not think we have all, all of these things figured out but that we would recognize the wisdom of seeking out and looking at others around us to be models for us to be encouragement for us Lord even to be accountability or uh, uh, teaching for us as we need it but Lord let us not forget that we should also be an example to others. Lord, that we should be able to to tell someone else that's newer in the faith than we are, follow me as I follow Jesus. Lord, help us to live that life. Let us be an example in all things as You called us to be. So that we could, without shame, without uh, doubt, say, you know, I'm not perfect, but I have a desire to follow You. And if You'll follow Me, you'll get to see Me walking with the Lord. Lord, help us to do that. And Lord, as we go forth this week, Lord, let us not forget these lessons. Let us not forget that each day is a day where we can work hard and labor night and day to bring You glory Lord, to not be a burden to others that we can minister the Gospel, that we can support our families, we can do the things that You have called us to do in a way that honors You. Lord, we just thank You for this time. In Jesus' name, Amen.